Welcome to the Make Your Friends Rich podcast, dedicated to founders and their friends enriching each other and how that love fest can manifest into beautiful things. We're your hosts, Megan Everett and Lance Pin. In the years we've known one another, we've helped each other make money and friends that, that have changed, changed our lives. lives. Remembering always, it's not what you know, but who you know. And how useful you can be to each other that can really change your stations in life. And then I became a CIA stalker <laughs> and um, I would find them on social media and then begin to connect with them on social media. And there's this really cool feature on Instagram that allows you to save um, any posts. But what's, what's really cool is I would create like folders because Instagram will allow you to create folders. So like Pinterest, you can pretty much create a Pinterest board by saving pictures. So I would save it. And then I would put the, the contact or the photo of whatever journalist or media contact that it was into a folder that's highlight, like you can name them on Instagram. So I'd name it as like journalists or media connections. And inside of that folder, I would go and connect with every one of those people at least once or twice a week, go like their, co- their pictures, go comment, engage, interact, DM, um, very strategic until finally like I'm creating a relationship with these people, right? And then I'm able to say like, Hey, I'd really love to, to know more about what you have going on and how I can serve you, how I can help you out. Can we hop on the five, 10 minute Zoom call? Um, and people were just so receptive to that. On today's episode, we have Des Dickerson, founder of Uncommon Collective, member of Forbes 30 under 30 2001 Glass. Des has an extensive background in media and PR, including being a producer on the Dr. Phil show. She's recently niched down to her own PR company after seven years in a publicity and media company with a friend. In this episode, we talk about our favorite subjects, networking and building relationships. Join us as Des shares her secrets with connecting to the people who will help her reach her goals, makes non-emotional business decisions while still deeply caring for people, and is choosing only things that align with her non-toxic lifestyle and following her passions. But today's guest is my friend Des. We met, I like to say the last week of normalcy. Yep, definitely. Yes. It definitely was. Wow, that's so crazy. Weird, right? Um, so we met when I was speaking at a mastermind in LA. And Des and her friend at the time were like these two standout PR girls. And I was like, I need to know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met literally the week before COVID like hit yeah. where the whole world shut down. Um, and you gave this amazing presentation and I felt the same way. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to know her. She's building this amazing, you know, brand. She's got all these crazy employees. And so, hi, I'm excited hi. to be here with you guys. <laughs> I know the world before all of our lives drastically changed, but oh God. It's so crazy because I was like, I'm going to see these people all the time. And now I've seen like two people once from my group. (laughs) A hundred percent. I do a lot of Zoom calls. So I definitely do Zoom with people from the group, but otherwise, you know, missing that physical connection still with people, but hopefully we'll get back there. So you are amazing. Um, You were on Forbes 30 under 30 last year. Mm-hmm. And you've built an amazing PR brand and branched out on your own now. Will you talk a little bit about your background and just give everybody an intro to who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I originally started um, actually my adult career as a TV producer. I dropped out of college to um, essentially go. I interned at the Dr. Phil show when I was still in school and six months into my internship, um, they're like, you're really good. We want to hire you. So I ended up dropping out of college to pursue that um, and ended up working as a producer for a bunch of different TV shows, Lifetime, HGTV. Um, I did casting production and all that fun stuff, but I really just wasn't, my cup wasn't being filled up. I absolutely loved what I did, but I always had this entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. I'm like, I want to work for myself. I want to build out a brand. I want to do something really cool. Um, so I ended up going into PR, the PR space, um, and opening up a, a, the different agency at the time for uh, PR, strategic marketing, brand collaborations, and things like that. Um, and so I did that for about 
five years. Um, and I wanted to do, you know, kind of stay in that media space. So that's what drew me to PR. So I kind of self-taught myself PR because I dropped out of school, didn't finish learning about, <laughs> about it. Um, and so with the wave um, of digital trends, digital media, influencer marketing, social media, um, I really just self-taught myself. Um, and yeah, through that journey, you know, um, ended up getting Forbes 30 under 30 last year um, in the marketing and advertisement category that they have. So um, that was, you know, an amazing experience to be acknowledged in that way. And I think ever since then, you know, there's been so much, so many opportunities that have come out of that. Um, and I've now opened up just a PR only agency um, that I am focused, focused on. That's amazing. Um, so you are based in Northern California. Yes. And this is relatively new to just do PR, right? You guys were doing ad campaigns yeah. and all kinds of stuff before. Yeah. So it's relatively new, like to just do PR, which feels really good for me. I feel sometimes we put ourselves in situations essentially where, you know, we're expanding our brands. We're saying, yes, we can do this. We can do that. We can do, you know, and it's really nice to niche down, um, and to really just focus on what I really love to do. Um, and at the same time, I think you'll probably understand this from an entrepreneurial spirit, but I'm building out another business. Um, so it's been nice to really like build essentially two businesses from the ground. Um, I have this like, again, entrepreneurial fire to have those both up at the same time. That's amazing. What can you talk about the second yeah. one or is it a little early? Okay. It's, it's early. Um, but I'm starting a clean feminine care line. Um, so I'm going into the product space and basically, um, my, I'm on a mission, uh, to provide 1 million women with clean feminine care products by 2024. Um, so it's completely different than my PR space. Um, but I'm super passionate about it and I'm so excited to give so many people accessibility to clean products. I love that. Thanks. So you talked about being, Lance, do you have a question? Sorry. I'll put my finger up. He's like, I'm just going to (laughs) listen. You talked about self-educating. I think we're in an interesting time where education is so expensive right now, but it's not accessible for most people. So maybe you can talk about, you know, what you did to educate yourself. Like what are the resources you use and how did you go about that? Because I've been in business for a while and PR to me still is like a little bit of this, like off in space thing where I'm like, totally. somebody else can take care of this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. I love this question so much. And I feel like I don't get asked it often enough about the importance of self-education and anything you do. When you own business, it's imp- own a business. It's super important. Even when you're just in a business, it's super important to understand so many different aspects of your business. So whatever type of education that takes, um, there's so many resources. I mean, even between now and like seven years ago, like resources for education look so different. Um, and so, oh my gosh, there were so many podcasts that I, I first started listening to podcasts, um, just like to really learn. I, I started learning how to pitch influencers and to work as uh, work with influencers and collaborations. And so I've listened to this podcast. Um, it's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Julie Solomon. She is a coach and she does um, influencer marketing. Like that's really her niche. Um, and she comes, she's a former publicist. Um, so she would teach me how to pitch influencers. And so I would take those same practices and I would apply them to pitching media because it's a, a pitch is a pitch is a pitch is a pitch. Like, because I know how to pitch for, um, you know, PR, I can pitch for anything. I can do sales pitches. Like I can, it converts into, you know, pitching for collaborations and business opportunities to pitching media. So really she taught me how to create a pitch. Um, and so that was important. So I would just practice, I would practice, I would practice, and I would send out hundreds, I tell you guys, 50, a hundred emails a week to only get like five responses yeah. <laughs> of interest. <laughs> I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs have been there before. Um, and so that's how I would do it. I would take advantage of every opportunity. And then it, you know, started ending up in, into exploring books and, and things along that line at those lines. But, um, yeah, I would just develop specifically a pitch and I became good at it you know, practice makes perfect, right? Yeah. Like, 
pitching on anything is so hard when you first start out. Like my first sales job, I was like, what do you mean? Like there was like some like five keys to the perfect pitch. And I was like, this is the cheesiest shit I've ever heard. It really is. And, and what I did is I really ditched that. Well, the first thing I had to do, the the very first thing I have to do, I had to do was be okay with getting those. Um, I was, I had to be okay with rejection and being okay with rejection led to so much more success. Um, because somebody would tell me no, and I'd be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Moving on. Or I'd ask them and say, why, why did you say no? Uh, just curious for perspective on your perspective for moving on to my next opportunity. Um, and that was, that was so powerful because I wasn't scared anymore. I wasn't scared to pitch like, and I would change my pitch to different angles and different perspectives. So I don't know that there's, there's definitely things in your pitch that will help, you know, there's, there's steps that are really, some of them are cheesy, but some of them actually do help. But what I found is I would, I change, if something's not working, I would literally change a sentence around in my pitch, or even like in a document that I'm sending, I would change the design of the document, add different imagery to it. And I would play around until it worked. Yeah. I think that's such valuable information. We all, when you're starting out in anything, right? Like the no's are the hardest part. Yeah. And I started out in cold call selling. So it was like, you called a hundred people a day and maybe got like three to five yeses. Yeah. That's how it is. You have to get used to it. But like, I think that's where so many people quit. It's like, they're hearing no. And to them, that means like, I'm a failure. I can't do this instead of like, I'm just not right for that person. Yeah. And you move on. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's so, it's so applicable in sales too. Um, it's just so true. Like people for your whole life are going to tell you no. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that's why I've gotten so many of the opportunities that I've gotten is because I will just go after them. I mean, even with Forbes, it was a reach, you know, where we were at the time I applied with my business partner, my former business partner, and we we're a smaller agency. And, and we pitched ourselves to Forbes. Like it was a strategy. And we knew that the worst that could happen is they tell us no. And if they tell us no, okay, so what? <laughs> right. I do remember that you guys even like set up a new Instagram page Yeah, for it. Like you went full on like, yeah, PR to get on Forbes. Yes. We did. Amazing. Yeah, we did. So, um, yeah, we wanted it and we went after it and it yeah, worked it was, out. It worked. <laughs> sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Cool. Um, it, it would be interesting to follow the, the history of, uh, of that outreach. Um, yeah. is there any, is, is the Instagram account still alive? Yeah. That Instagram account is alive and active. I believe it's Aisha and Des Forbes 30 under 30. I'll have to check on it. I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, but just from a business perspective, the outreach process was really important to us because, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of the Forbes list. Um, but there's hundreds of thousands of people who apply to it. And we knew that, and we knew that there was not, I mean, there's things of course that we've done that have stood out that got us on the list. Right. But like, we needed to do something to really trigger an interest. And so definitely helps that we are, you know, we were a marketing and PR agency. We knew what we were doing, right? So we created a whole strategy behind how do we flag attention from the Forbes committee, um, from the advisors who are putting us on the list to really be like, oh, well, we can't say no to these girls. So part of that strategy was, you know, having all of our friends, um, and family and colleagues and networking, um, networking groups submit applications on our behalf. Um, and another part was building, um, supporting, I guess, visuals to go along with the application. So part of that was building a portfolio on Instagram, which also showed like we are a marketing agency and we're really good at what we've done because we've created this strategy, right? We created QR codes that led back to a website that, you know, the advisors were allowed to see our hope or our, that allowed, I'm sorry, our, that allowed our advisors to see, um, you know, the, what, everything that we've done, all of our, you know, accomplishments in a, in a bullet point form. So, um, it was very strategic. (laughs) Yeah. And so it sounds like, um, I mean, being in PR implies that you have quite a network. Uh, how did you 
build that network apart from uh, your producership over at uh, Dr. Phil? Yeah, um, I love which people. is which is more than enough because you know <laughs> very popular guy. Yes, he is popular. Um, I just really love people. Uh, I love you know being in networking groups and masterminds. Really taught me. I was always a giving person, um, but it really taught me the importance of connection, um, and, and giving back to people without expecting anything in return. Um, and so when COVID hit is actually when my network got a lot bigger because people became so much more accessible. So what I would do is I promised myself for probably six months to a year that every week I would connect with somebody new over virtual coffee for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and what that did is that expanded my network tremendously. And during these calls, I didn't ask for a dang thing. Like I didn't ask for anything. I just really wanted to get to know people, get to know where they were and just connect and see what they were in need of. And then, you know, at some point those relationships, some of them have been like, Hey, I need X, Y, and Z. Are you able to help me? Or, Hey, I've got a client um, who's looking to be featured in this publication. And I think, you know, you're a writer and it would be really great. Like just making and building those connections and relationships and being disciplined to keep up with people, like sending text messages to randomly check in, being like, hey, can we hop on a five minute call? I want to connect with you and see how you're doing has just been so important, um, you know, for this networking process for me. You said virtual coffee um, yes. that re uh, recalls a, a website in my mind. Did you use any resources to, to network or was it just no. you reaching out? How did you identify I who mean, you wanted to meet? Um, you know, for me, I'm strategic about who I want to surround myself with, like based upon, you know, my goals for the year or this next six months or whatever that might be. So, you know, I would find these people on Instagram clubhouse was really big at the time. And I just recently got back onto clubhouse to start networking again, um, in, in that space. But, um, you know, I would find people on Instagram and literally slide into their DMS. <laughs> and what did you type in? Like literally, or um, how'd you find them? So first I would, you know, first I would find them. I'm, I'm connecting with like a lot of people in media, journalists, publications. So I took my outlet, like my, my category that I want to focus on. Right. And I would find them in their articles on Forbes or LinkedIn or pop sugar or Cosmo, whatever that might be. Um, and then I became a CIA stalker <laughs> and um, I would find them on social media and then begin to connect with them on social media. And there's this really cool feature on Instagram that allows you to save um, any posts. But what's, what's really cool is I would create like folders because Instagram will allow you to create folders. So like Pinterest, you can pretty much create a Pinterest board by saving pictures. So I would save it. And then I would put the, the contact or the photo of whatever journalist or media contact that it was into a folder that's highlight, like you can name them on Instagram. So I'd name it as like journalists or media connections. And inside of that folder, I would go and connect with every one of those people at least once or twice a week, go like their, their pictures, go comment, engage, interact, DM, um, very strategic until finally, like I'm creating a relationship with these people. Right. And then I'm able to say like, Hey, I'd really love to, to know more about what you have going on and how I can serve you, how I can help you out. Can we hop on the five, 10 minute zoom call? Um, and people were just so receptive to that. I feel like the early days of COVID, like that first six months, it was so much easier to connect with people, even Absolutely. like journalists of Forbes, like, or Inc, where I was yep. just like, Hey, we're building an AI app. And they were like, you're doing what we want yep. to talk to you. Yep. So much different than it is right now. Yeah. Or I, even before. Yeah. I will say like, in all honesty and transparency, I think, um, people have zoom fatigue. Yes. Um, and I think that this type of connection will work. I think one thing that really helps is, is when you say 10 minutes, like I literally try to keep it to 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And that seems like a really short amount of time, right. For especially people who are very busy. Um, and so that has helped me a little bit to get people on the phone, but also like, don't be afraid to connect with people who are local to you because people are still looking, you know, if you're, if you're not afraid of COVID, um, I think taking somebody out to coffee still, it's still a thing. Like it's still that connection that people are looking for and say, Hey, I just really want to take you out to a 10, 
30 minute, not 10 minute coffee, but a 30 minute coffee at Starbucks. Can you make time at my, in your schedule sometime this month for us to be able to do that? I think that there's so much power in that still that one-on-one human interaction connection. I think that's a really good point. And I think people are almost craving that right now. Yeah. Um, I've started to invite people for coffee walks. Oh, like I we have a nice that. downtown area and I'll be like, let's just go to this coffee shop and like yeah. walk the street. Yeah. And it's about 20 minutes. I love that. Yeah. And you know, I love that too, because I think it's kind of like going along with, with the times um, and people are ready to get out of the house. That's outdoors, right? You're not cooped up somewhere where people are scared of COVID. And also there's this really big mental, physical health kick happening now. So you're also encouraging somebody to get out, be active and network at the same time. And I think it would be hard for somebody to say no to that. No one has said no. I mean, sometimes they're like, next month but like yeah. next month comes around and they're like hey do you still want to grab coffee yeah totally it's, I think everybody should steal these yeah like, I love that I'm gonna do that do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do that um uh in, in the beginning of the conversation you mentioned niching down yeah I haven't heard that term before what does that mean to you and how did you apply it to your uh your PR business yeah so Um, My former agency that I owned, we did branding, marketing, and PR, which was great because there is this need for a one-stop shop um, for people in the marketing advertisement space. But also what comes with that is like so much overload of just work um, and outsourcing and finding people to do, you know, every one of these tasks to make sure the job is, is done. And I would find myself so much more caught in the day-to-day of everything of a lot of things that I did not want to do um and when you don't want to do things typically you don't perform them as best as as they can be done and so you know I said what do I really like to do the best what what fills up my cup what am I really good at how can I serve people the best and that was really like focusing on the media partnerships and PR side of things and once I kind of like niche down into that space like I just feel so much better. I feel like there's a shoulder, a, a weight lifted off of my shoulder. I feel like I can focus so much better. Um, and you know, I feel like I can, I can give more of myself by niching down to what I'm really good at. It's awesome that you're able to find fit there. Yeah. Um, uh, and you, you seem like the kind of personality, um, that, that might be comfortable in front of the camera. Uh, have you, have you ever thought of, of that Avenue? People ask me that all the time. I was a childhood model, um, like sign. That was my first job as as um, a teenager. I was signed with Ford Models, um, and it was fun. Like I had a good time being in front of the camera. Um, I went to school to be a journalist originally, so I wanted to be a reporter. Um, I wanted to be in front of the camera. Um, And then I just developed this huge passion to be behind the scenes um, and to like you know, get people on camera, um, or to get people seen. And it just wasn't as strong of a passion for me to be in front of the camera. Um, maybe I'll change one day. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I have a similar, similar love hate relationship. That's why we're doing a podcast instead of, I love podcasts. Like podcasting is the funnest thing to me. Um, so I get that show up in your pajamas. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so your new business, um, uh, what do you see as your niche there or the value proposition that's not being met and, and what inspires you to, to get into that? Yeah. So um, do you mean my new business product wise or my new business agency wise? Oh, I'm sorry. Product wise. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, there's this gap in feminine care where um, and feminine care, people are like, what is that? Really, it's any product. I'm creating a line for any product that you use down there, but I'm originally um, launching with clean and organic tampons and pads. Um, and so there is this stigma that we don't talk about. There's it about like feminine care and period products and things like that. And I just want to get rid of that stigma. I want to create a brand where it's women coming together um, and we're able to have open conversations about not only periods, but also like health and wellness and, and things that we talk about as women or things that we don't talk about as women. So really taking the stigma away from 
periods and other conversations that we don't have. But also there's this gap in the market of using products that are good for your body. Um, and, and yes. And so there is, um, you know, the normal like Tampax and, um, you know, I think products that we've been using as women since we were children, because they're the only things out on the market. Right. But also we're putting these things into our bodies that have chemicals, um, that are really not good for us. And so I want to create conversation about accessible products that are not you know, too crazy price and bring that to the market where, you know, we can put clean products into our body that aren't going to cause problems like infertility, that aren't going to cause problems like cancer and things like that. So that's where my, my goal is, is, is to be able to really highlight that and to educate people about things that they should be putting on or in their body. I think so you're saying, Sorry. So you're saying like the existence, because there are a few products yeah. um, in that space already, but they're missing the community aspect in the. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, I'm glad that that like came across that way. Yes. <laughs> they're also so much missing the accessibility part of it yep. because they're very expensive. Um, very expensive. We yeah, provide the uh, organic ones at, at our stores. At your and, gyms. And it's uh, a shame. Uh, people just grab a bunch, but whatever. They're know. expensive. And for a long time, you could only order them. Yep. Um, if you're in like these grocery deserts, you're not going to have accessibility to them and you're not going to be able to afford them. So like if I go to Target and look at like a box of Tampox or a box of Cora or whatever, the organic one is there, there is like almost a $6 difference in the price. Yep. And that's a lot for people that can't afford it in the first place. Yep. So I think filling that niche in the market is so important, but Sorry, I forgot what Lance's question was as I took over. <laughs> well, he was saying that, no, I totally agree with that, yeah. Megan, because that's my goal. And, and, and what I've been trying to do right now is I'm in the inception of this project and finding the right products and making the numbers make sense. And it's just, how am I able to do that in a way, you know, where I can bring the price down so that people can, you know, have accessibility to a, a organic product that's not yeah. six times more than, you know, what they would normally purchase. So that's my goal. But also my goal is it, it really is community. Like the community aspect is so important to me. Um, and having conversations that aren't being had is so important to me and being a part of the actionable, um, aspect to this in California, uh, at the end of last year, there was a law passed that, um, basically, forces all public schools and public universities, CSUs, um, to have accessibility to tampons and pads on campus. Um, And so that also was a part of my initiative is like, I need to move quickly to be a part of this mission to give people, women, accessibility to these products from a very young age. That's amazing. Cause I think we go into bathrooms so often and it was very cool a few years ago to start seeing free products, yes. in bathrooms, but yes. they were all the brands that we know and we yep. know are full of chemicals and we really don't want yep. inside of us, Yeah, you know, a hundred percent. Um, so what is the plan? Do you have a partner? Like, have you done funding? Yeah. Give us all the like beginning info on this new business. Yeah. So it's just me. Um, and I'm super excited for it to be that way for right now. Um, but, um, I was going after the funding route and because of all these laws in California right now, there's opportunity there. Um, so I've decided to not raise money yet. I will eventually raise money, but I've decided to not raise money yet because I don't know that I necessarily have to just yet. Um, and as you probably know with you raised money, right? Did you raise money? I've raised money. Yeah. 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 And so, um, I just like, I don't want to give away that much of my company in all honesty, just yet, just because I'm so passionate about it. I, I know that there will be a time for the scale of the project that this is, is going to be that I want it to be. I will eventually probably have to raise it, but right now I'm like, I think I can do it and bootstrap, you know, as much as I can in the beginning. So I'm enjoying it. I didn't raise for two years. So I love that. I had somebody, Sarah Gibson Tuttle, who owns Olive and June, which is like a company. They're great. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to VC meetings and I was on the plane and I get this DM from her and she's like, do not take money from anyone. And I was like, what? And she's like, she's all, you're smart and scrappy and you will lose your company in three years if you take money right now. It was before like anything had launched. Yeah. And I was like, I've watched her grow at that point. This was four years ago. Yeah. And she was like still maybe like a couple years in, but we had just watched like Drybar and Allie Mm -hmm. get replaced as CEO Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And like Sarah was really close to her. And I was like, I think I need to take this advice. Yeah. And just like buckle down, change my lifestyle and not take money. And it's worked out really well. I still own over 70% of my company almost five years in. I love that. And that's the perspective. I think, I think I went into this scarcity mentality when I first wanted to launch this brand, because I I was being called to do it. I knew I wanted to do this. Um, and it's actually a project that I've wanted to work on for years, but just haven't had the time. Um, and And I was in this scarcity mindset of this is going to cost me so much. How in the world am I ever going to pull this off? But then I I thought to myself and I had many conversations with my peers and networking and they're like, just be scrappy, just change your lifestyle a little bit. Like you can be scrappy. We've seen you be, I've been scrappy for the past five, six, seven years. So they're like, try to be scrappy and and keep as much equity as you possibly can in your company and then go out and raise money. And so that's really the phase that I'm in now. Um, So I love that. I love that. I think you'll also find that there's so many, especially women that'll just give you advice. Yes. Like we kind of got like thrown into this world of coaching where everybody's like, don't give away free advice. And I'm like, people who are building businesses outside of coaching where like their money is not coming from advice. Mm -hmm. will give you all of the advice in the world. It's so true. Like it is so true. And I feel like, um, not to put down the coaching industry. They have, Oh no, no, no. I'm just like, I just want to like, (laughs) <laughs> do you know what's so funny is this has been a conversation the coaching industry and I, I love coaches I think there's so much value in coaching I think there's so much value in coaching so I don't want to take away from that but I think that there's becoming this stigma of having open conversations about coaching and like what is a coach and what isn't a coach um and who do we listen to and who do we not listen to what do we pay for and what do we not pay for because everybody is a coach especially post-covid right. <laughs> yes everyone's a coach everyone's like two thousand dollars an hour or something like right and I'm like and like more power to you if you're getting that money that's right. amazing but I'm also like therapy's like 120 an hour <laughs> and I think that's expensive <laughs> And they have a doctorate. <laughs> right. That's a good value. That's a good value. But right? uh, more to the point, um, yes. you, you're in PR and mm-hmm. you're very smart. Um, so you, you may have a BS detector, I think. And okay. so how, how do you, you know, approach these coaches or find value in them? If someone's listening and they like, you know, maybe they're enamored with some Instagram post and they think that the person might be worthwhile yeah. for them. What, uh, what indicators do you look for for value? This is so crazy, but energy is so important to me. Connection and energy is so important to me. I will not hire somebody. I've had two coaches. Um, and I, I, the connection between finding those coaches was so important to me. I think in both of them, I invested um, a small dollar to just like, see if the connection was really there first. And then it became like more, much more of like a a larger conversation that was being had and what type of coaching was, was, you know, being had after that, but the energy and the connection is just so important to me. Like I need to connect with you. You, I need my coach to have the same values as me. Um, I need to spend time with you to see if this is a really good fit, which I know that can be hard. I did make some type of an investment, you know, in the beginning to really see if there was value and connection. I would listen to like podcasts that my coach has, like really dive into the resources before making, you know, larger investments into coaching. Um, And I think in this conversation too, is, is like knowing that coaching is important, but also knowing that like Um, and I, and I say this in like the nicest way, but like, you also need to take breaks from coaching. Um, 
And so what I've found is like, I'm right now I'm in a phase where I'm taking a break from coaching, which doesn't make, doesn't mean like I don't take a break from learning. I'm always learning, but I'm taking a break from coaching because I found that I was losing my ability to make my own decisions because I was relying on a coach to make decisions for me and tell, and tell me like, you should do this. And every time I'd have a problem, like I need to call my coach. And I'm like, no, I'm actually really smart. And a lot of my decision-making is based upon, um, my knowledge on my past history and things like that. Um, and I'm relying way too much on a coach helping to guide me through the process and really just getting good at making decisions. It I would take so long to make decisions. And now I'm like, Nope, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. It's super clear now that I don't have a coach right now in this time. <laughs> it's funny. I, I took a break in 2020 and I'm on another break now. I normally do like either six month or a year program with someone yeah. and take at least six months off. Yes. Um, because I find that where I'm like, wait, like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, no, I, I do know what to do. Yeah. And like, for me, like masterminds and group coaching now is so much more about networking and yes. building my network yes. over any kind of coaching. Yep. Um, and like we hired a CEO coach last year because mm -hmm. wow, did everything change during 2020? Um, but you know, we worked together for six months and now I'm on a break because I need to be able to integrate everything I've learned yeah, and really stand on my own two feet. So that makes so much sense to me. I love that. And I love that. I, I think some people look at me when I, when I tell them this, like I'm crazy, especially people who are constantly in coaching programs or masterminds. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really in a space in my entrepreneurship journey where like, I don't really care what other people think. Yes. And I think that's important. I think as entrepreneurs, it's in a, in my early, and I'm, I feel so like I'm seven years into entrepreneurship. So I still feel like it's young. Um, but I just learned to not be emotional about things, not to make emotional decisions and just to go with it, go with what I really feel is the right thing and make decisions quick um, and be okay with not being judged by people. I think that's the biggest thing there, especially when you have a personal brand on social media. Yeah. Like we both know this people will be, they think that they really Terrible. know us, Yes, <laughs> okay. but they also think that they really know us and they yeah. become like very involved in what's going on in our lives. Like whether that's like a breakup or like a business partnership changing, exactly. And they like, people will get angry at you for anything. They get angry at you for anything. You should see my DMs. Like people feel so entitled to information. It's so yes. crazy. Like they're like, oh, well, what happened with this or what happened with that? And I'm like, I, why, why do you feel like I need to give you an answer to something that has nothing to do with you? And I think you're right. It is when you have a personal brand and you display what you do professionally on your Instagram, people feel very entitled to you. And <laughs> I think protecting your space is, is important. How do you deal with that? Because I know- early on for me, the things said on social media really got to me. And I had to get to a point where it's like, I don't care. They're not in my real life. Yeah. Like they're two separate lives. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I think I got to that point too, where I was just like, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care. I, I want people to make their own decisions and perspectives about me. And if you hate me, then you hate me. Like, and I, I literally can't control that. I, I, there's nothing that I can do. And I think coming to being okay with that was just like the strongest thing that I could have ever done from a social perspective and like kind of leaving people where they are in that space. If you don't like what I do, or you don't like my next business venture, or you don't like this, my business decision or whatever that is. And like, okay, that's, that's okay. I'm still going to continue doing me um, and what I do and, and staying really laser narrow focus on what my mission and initiatives are. Which sounds like cliche, I feel like, but I just really just let go of it. Sometimes I think the simplest answers are the actual answers. Like, yeah. And I think it's, it's been funny to see the change on social media since 10K was taken away from oh, Swipe Up. Right. Have you noticed this? I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but like people are not as worried about their followers anymore. They're really not. They're like, oh, 20 people unfollowed me because I said something people didn't like. Who cares? Right. I usually, I literally used to like watch and track because I work in Same. social. So I knew like all of like the websites that will tell me what's trending, who's following me, who's unfollowing me. And I would be like very consumed with that. And now I'm just like, I, I'm just consumed with people who, who care about me and, and that's all. 
that's it. I'm not worried about a number. I'm not saying like, Hey, I have to get to the X amount of followers before I do X, Y, and Z. I take social media breaks. I'm on one right now. Um, and it's so healthy. It just feels like I'm healthily using social. I'm healthily networking. And I'm also taking care of myself and my, and my, and, you know, not getting caught up in this social media trend. <laughs> right. It's a completely different world. And I think breaks are important. So important. Uh, I took one over Christmas and I was getting like text messages from like on my work phone that people were like, are you okay? You haven't been on social in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> it's the holidays. I'm spending time with people that matter to me. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. But you know what? That's, that's really great because there's so many other ways it forces people to communicate with you in other ways besides social media. I right. think that a lot of times that we get caught up in like, Hey, this person is doing really great because they're on social and they're highlighting all of these amazing aspects of their life. And then like, when you're really picking up the phone and calling them, like maybe they aren't so great. So the fact that people are forced to call you and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like, maybe I'm not okay. <laughs> not a horrible thing to like have something besides seeing what I'm eating for breakfast or Thank my you. daily agenda. Right. Like what's really going on with you. Right. Right. Um, so back to networking and then uh, how you've parlayed that into a, your diverse set of interests. Actually, can you uh, like run down how many different projects you're working on right now and, and what niches they're in? Cause it seems like you got a couple things going on really it's just two projects I have an agency and then also like building out just this new feminine care line but with my agency comes you know my clients who I'm working on those projects uh but really it's it's just it's just those two well it's a testament to LinkedIn that you're a uh uh top rated podcaster so we, my agency did formerly have a podcast. We don't have the podcast anymore, um, but I am launching my own podcast that will go along with this new brand um, that is launching really encouraging community and a, a safe space for women to talk and, and conversate. So what's your launch plan there? I think that'd be very informative for people uh, in their yeah. own pursuits. Um, so my launch plan with the podcast is, is, again, very strategic, um, because as I mentioned before, community is, is just so important. So, um, I told myself if, if from a business perspective, if I don't sell, oh, sorry, am I going to try to say something? Okay. Um, if I don't, if I don't sell one product within the next 12 months, that's okay. Uh, because I'm building a community that I'm going to be able to educate and connect with. Um, and I think audio, I, I know audio from a marketing perspective is the number one, um, marketing material right now. And so I'm, I am taking advantage of building out a podcast strategically to connect with women who is all women are, are my target audience essentially, right? Um, about opening up conversations that aren't being had. And so what better way to do this than to create two things, one, a podcast um, and two, um, probably the podcast will have some type of correlating merch aspect. The merch is not created to make any money. Like my goal is not to make money off of merch. The, the, the goal is community and audience acquisition. So I'm acquiring um, email addresses when I sell merch, right? Like I'm acquiring um, new audience members when they come back to my podcast website. And this is before my brand even launches, right? I plan for this podcast to be live before, you know, people are able to even purchase a, a tampon or a pad um, because community is that important to me and connection is that important to me. sounds like a great strategy. Um, and then I guess there, you've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Uh, yeah. We call that, um, well, uh, failing forward is oh how gosh. some people have put it. I've, I've certainly you know, made some mistakes in the past that led me down a path that led to ultimate success, uh, sort of through the self-identification of what I love to do and what I don't. If I yeah. am not doing something well, uh, it's probably because I don't enjoy it. And then yeah. that's a recipe for disaster. So have you had any um, sequential events like that that you could share? Yeah, I mean, failing forward and and I'm just going to speak honestly and transparently. Um, I think any time some type of a business ends, um, we look at it as failure for whatever reason most likely, unless it was acquired, right? Like we're looking at it as some sort of 
failure. And I think for me, although it was time for my last business to end, um, and it was a beautiful thing that it ended in the most like odd way, right? Like it allowed for so many new doors to be open. I became really scared of failure again. Um, and it would be dishonest of me to sit here and say, oh my gosh, like I'm operating in this space where I'm not afraid to fail. Um, and so I am in the phase of my life where I'm navigating. It's okay to fail. Like you've done this before. You're so much more educated in this space. You're so much, because you have failed, you're so much more, there's less risk. There's less risk because you've already failed. So even if you do fail, it's okay. And it's just this learning experience of, 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 you know, new adventures and hopefully being able to help people along the way and tell them and treat them as if like failure is okay. Like it's okay to fail. And, um, I'm in that space right now where constantly every day as I'm building out you know, two new businesses, I tell myself like, it's okay to fail. If this is a failure, it's okay. But you're on a mission to help so many people. And because I'm so connected to it being something I'm passionate about and wanting to do, I know that my chances of it failing are, are really, really slim. Um, so yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, um, you only fail when you give up, right? Totally. as far as like total total failure but there's also yeah. the logic of like fail fast iterate try that, again oh my god yeah. fail, failing fast <laughs> like that's so important like failing fast and learning and getting back up is so it, it's just so important i i think of not letting things linger i think that's probably one of the biggest lessons i've learned in entrepreneurship is like making decisions quick, not making emotional decisions and failing and getting back up and being like, okay, it's, it's okay to fail. What are the next steps is so important. There's so much value in that. I think that's, hold on just a second. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the most important things is being okay with failure. Yeah. Like it gets momentum going. There's a, one of my investors says all the time, like fail fast, like fail often, mm-hmm. but like, because you're making decisions if you're failing mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who don't fail, aren't making any it's decisions. So true. Um, it's somebody told me the craziest thing when I was thinking about raising money. Um, somebody had mentioned it was somebody on, I think it was Mark Cuban. I can't remember. Somebody on shark tank says that they will not invest in any business unless they have failed at least three businesses, which before I was like, wait, that's so crazy. And then after, you know, having started so many businesses at this point, I'm like, that makes so much more sense. Each new business I build, I'm like so much stronger. Right. (laughs) So I love that. It's okay to fail. Normal to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say your strength is, is, uh, your exuberance shines through. Uh, and so I commend you on, on having this, uh, this type of vibe, um, on the mental health note, how, I mean, maybe you're a strong person, maybe you're, you know, born to be a a killer out there. Um, but is there any kind of maintenance that you do daily that, that has put you, I mean, I know you're still young, so maybe you just have energy and you can eat candy (laughs) bars and, and kill it. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm 29 and I definitely can like, this is the first year I've like felt, I felt 29 is not old, but like I can no. feel it in my body though. Like when I go out and drink, I, fe- I feel it. It feels different, <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, that's one thing that I'm doing differently with mental health is taking care of my mental health with these two businesses that I'm launching. Like I was so caught up in the day-to-day of business and being so in the grind, which is important, right? Like it's important to grind and to hustle, but like I was, I had toxic people around me. I was in a toxic relationship. Um, I, I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating right. Um, and so again, it goes back to that failure, right. And taking care of my mental health. I was, I, I was, uh, like almost 30 pounds heavier. Um, and I've taken this past six months, seven or eight months now, um, to really take care of me first before I take care of anything else. So I work out six times a week now. Like I am like 
really focusing on getting back into therapy. I do therapy sessions every, every now and then, but therapy is super important, like to be doing it consistently, right? Like I'm checking in and having uncomfortable conversations with people that I don't want to have uncomfortable conversations with. Like I am cutting out, like, I'm not kidding. I've cut out every single toxic thing in my life to keep my mental health, like in check that's toxic people toxic clients toxic family members toxic anything toxic like i have become totally okay with cutting them out because my mental health and my physical health is so important for me to be able to accomplish the things that i want to accomplish professionally i think that's so important um especially like cutting out toxic people I think yeah. a lot of us in business with firing clients oh I recently gosh. talked about this that like firing clients is so hard because the fallout from it mm-hmm. and like once you experience a public fallout from like whatever people are going to say you're like uh maybe I made a mistake but the peace of mind of not dealing with that person later oh my on gosh there's just so much power and peace of mind um there really is and I feel like um, when I say like business and emotions, like they just don't mix, like they just, you don't make good business decisions when you're around emotional people or emotional situations or toxic situations. Um, and so when I say like, I learned to not make emotional decisions and it's not that I don't care about my clients when I have to fire them, or I don't care about a relationship when I have to fire them. I just care about my health more. Um, and so I put the emotions aside, like it really sucks. I might have to fire you, but like, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, my mental health, the health of my business, the health of my, like my physical health is way, way, way more important. I love that. Yes. Very, um, very good perspective. Uh, any, any daily practices that you do to just keep yourself in, in momentum and rhythm? Yeah. So I set monthly goals. Like, well, I have a year, a word of the year. Um, my word of the year this year is discipline. And so, um, I really just wanted to be disciplined, like spiritually, financially, um, work and health wise. Um, and so I categorize by month, like what my goals are for the month, because I think it's easier to break down by the month, what those are. So like right now, my goals for February, um, in is, for discipline and consistency. I'm like, I got to get 28 cardio workouts in it. It has to do with health, but more to do with discipline. Right. Cause I knew that would be a challenge for me. So getting up every day and like doing 28 cardio workouts, um, is super important to me. Right. And I, and I read a book every month. Um, and I also wake up every morning and do, uh, journaling and I'm Christian. So I do like, you know, Bible study devotion and things like that, just to really set my intentions for the day. Um, and you know, to create, a healthy inside for me. I think any kind of intentional practice in the morning is so important, whether that's, you know, a devotional or meditation or prayer, whatever is your higher power connecting with that is important. So important. And realizing that there's like nothing else that matters in that moment, besides a connection with yourself and God or yourself in manifestation or yourself in your journaling or whatever that is, is just taking the time to put your phone down, put any distractions down and really like have that time to connect with, with you. Um, and, and sometimes I don't think that we get that connection or realize that we need that connection until we actually do it. And we sit there, right. And we're journaling and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was like bothering me. (laughs) And so then I'm aware of it. Right. And we we come, when I become aware that blockage isn't happening throughout the rest of the day, because I'm acknowledging it. I'm like, Hey, like, I know it's there. Here's how I deal with it next. Am I going to go to therapy or am I going to continue to journal about it to release it? Or am I going to talk to somebody about it? Whatever that might be. It's important. It's really important. Um, a question that we ask everyone is what do you need right now? So what do you need from like our listeners? Are you looking for advisors or board members or people to help you make this product? Yeah. Um, right now, my part of my goal for this month is to connect with people who have 
um, give back components to their business because I would like to have a give back component to my brand, which would be like to help supply people who really don't have the accessibility in different countries or low income neighborhoods to tampons and pads. I would like to incorporate that aspect and that element into my business. So I'm looking for people who run like give back programs, they have them in their business, whatever that might be to connect with. So if anyone out there is listening and would like to talk to me for 15 minutes, I would greatly appreciate that. And I can be found on social or email. Um, how do people find you? Is it Instagram? Yes. Inst- yeah. Instagram, um, at it's your destiny. And then, uh, and I spell my name with two E's at the end. So D E S T I N E E. Um, or my email, since I'm on a bit of a social media cleanse, probably for the next week or so. Um, my email is uh, des at uncommoncollective.com. And we'll put all of this in the show notes. Perfect. Lance, do you want to ask our last question? I do. I do. Um, <clears throat> so there's a gentleman by the name of uh, Rob Deerdeck, who's yeah. super inspiring. Um, I could get into my own personal love for that man. But uh, the, the short story is that he is operating in God mode. He has completely organized his life. Believe it or not, it only takes him 4% of his time to create uh, ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. And what's more amazing is that he already like sold, pre-sold a thousand episodes or something like that of that mm-hmm. thing. And he's able to record you know, a tremendous amount of them back to back to back. But before that, he's done some, some pretty great things. And I know I've been in positions myself where I look back and I, I wonder how I did something great so fast you know and I think everyone everyone feels that way uh, and you probably have that experience in your life as well my question is who is your Rob Deerdeck who do you look at and and see that they're operating in God mode they are playing with you know the pieces from a higher level anybody inspiring for you that can be famous or someone you know in your personal life Mm, wow that's a really good question um I, I probably would have to say, um, I look for people who are like being led to do things. Um, and I think you, do you know, Kayla Craft? I do. Megan? Yeah. Okay. So Kayla Craft, she's, she's a business coach. She's, um, formerly was, has been my business coach in the past. And, um, you know, she's, she's been building out this brand essentially where it didn't really necessarily have to do anything with, um, Christianity. Um, but mostly it had to do with like connecting. I I think her mission is to help like a million moms become entrepreneurs and make a million dollars. Um, and, um, she ended up shifting her whole brand because of listening to her spirit and listening to God and listening to like, what's right for her in this time, what's right for her life. Um, and she pretty much just, she listened to that and she's now creating a different brand. That's along the same lines. Right. But, um, that speaks to what she's being called to do. And I think that for me, from a spirituality, spirituality perspective, like I'm in a space where I'm like only trying to do things that feel right. Like I only want to do things that I'm not forced to do. They feel really good. Um, and, and that's important to me. I feel, I want to feel called to the next project that I'm working on and I want it to feel spiritually aligned. And so, um, I really look up to her, you know, for that. Um, so yeah. Yes, I should note that there's there's no blasphemous intention in the word God mode. It's more like a video game <laughs> thing. So just throwing that out there. Um, I think Kayla's done that in such a like a way where she's like, I am doing this and I'm not apologizing. I'm so it. unapologetic about it. And I love that. I've loved it too. I watched um Brooke and I can't remember her last name right now, which I should because I love her. Um she has live out loud Brooke. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know her. I don't she think was in the elite mastermind the year I was okay. Um, but she did it during 2020 and was like, I don't care. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. And I was like, whatever it is, whether I agree with you religiously or spiritually or not, like seeing people just be like, this is what I'm doing with my brand. Yeah. I yeah. don't care if I lose followers. It's yeah. what feels right for me. And then actually doing it and making money off of it. It's so cool. Right. Like, and, and yeah, I think it's less about it from the religious aspect, right? Like it's more about just going after what you're passionate about and being so unapologetic about it to get to your goal. Right. Like this is your mission. This is what you want to, this is how you want to serve. This is how you want to support people and like not caring. 
about that, not caring about losing followers, not caring about maybe losing the clients that you have now, not caring about like whatever it takes to go along with what your goal and your mission is being disciplined enough to get there, you know, and not worrying about discipline in the sense of where you're not worried about what other people are thinking. Wow. I think this is an amazing note to end on as like, go after your passions. Um, if you have a business or know someone who does that has a give back element to it, um, there's a lot of businesses that do like 10% of all their profits go to a charity. So if you know of any of those, send them to Des. Thank give you. All of your contact information in the notes. And this has been so nice. I can't believe an hour went by so quickly. Thank you yeah. guys so much for having me. I love having Thank conversations you. like this. So I appreciate you. Appreciate it's nice you. having an expert podcaster on very easy. Okay. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm.